If you could open your Bibles to Galatians, we've been in a series in Galatians, and in prior weeks we heard about the danger of false teachers called Judaizers in Galatia. They're turning hearts to another gospel, calling people to turn back to Old Testament laws, and actually attacking Paul for his preaching of the cross. And in Galatians, Paul responds strongly. He argues that salvation is by faith and not works of the law. He focuses on the work of Christ rather than the efforts of men. And last week, we heard he was highlighting the status of believers as sons and children of promise rather than children of slavery. And today's passage continues with the theme of slavery and freedom. When I was a teenager, some of you who are old might remember this, there was a song by Keith Green, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. It's a fun song, but it also has a very serious message, and it noted how Israel in the wilderness sought to return to slavery. And today, we as Christians can do the same. We're looking at Galatians 5, 1 through 12. And this passage warns us not to return to slavery and shows what it means to be free. So open your Bibles or your Bible app. We use the ESV version, so go to that. Galatians 5, verses 1 through 12. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the lobby. There are these little blue Bibles. You can grab one, turn to Galatians. It's kind of near the end of your Bible. Galatians 5, 1 through 12. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, 
still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. This is the word of the Lord. There's something disturbingly wrong in us. We want to go back to slavery. As we heard the children of Israel did that after being freed from Egypt, and we as Christians do this after being freed from sin and death by Jesus. Look at verse 1 of our passage. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What is this yoke that we move toward? And why would we want to submit again to slavery? The yoke here is trying to keep the law ourselves. And I would argue that the why is because we love to prove ourselves. We are proud, and we want to do it on our own, and we want to be in control. That goes all the way back to Satan, who we learn in Isaiah 14 said, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will make myself like the Most High. He then helps set Adam and Eve on a similar path when he whispers, did God really say that? Setting them to question God's integrity and motives, pushing them towards taking things into their own hands. And sadly, it worked all too well. The famous words of the poem Invictus sadly captures humanity's stance all too well. If you don't know that poem, you've probably heard parts of it. Let me read a little part of it. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It seems that this poem by William Henley was clearly fighting the offense of the cross that Paul notes in verse 11 of our passage. The cross offended the Judaizers as well. The cross offends our pride and shouts that we are not in control, not the masters of our fate, not the captains of our soul, not capable to do what we need. It makes clear that we are desperately in need. We call of our passage today is to turn away from the yoke of Satan that yells we are the masters of our fate and that we can prove ourselves to God. We must turn from our pride and fight to stay free in the freedom that comes through faith in Christ alone. As, we, as I begin, I'm in need of God's help, so let's pray. Father, help us as we look into Your Word. I pray today You would, by Your Spirit, show us clearly the freedom that is in Christ and the mortal danger that comes when we look to ourselves. Free us from the deadly corruption 
of legalism that we lean toward. Help us trust in the work of Jesus and Him alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's passage looks at the yoke we lean toward and how to stand in freedom. It calls us to stand firm like a soldier at duty holding his ground. We must fight to rest in Christ's finished work. If you're taking notes, we're going to look at three truths about freedom in Christ. Three truths about freedom in Christ. First, freedom is trusting fully in Christ. Second, freedom is faith working through love. Third, freedom is Christ fighting for us. So let's dig in. Freedom is trusting fully in Christ. Look at verses 1 to 4. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. The contrast presented in verse 1 couldn't be more stark. It's freedom or slavery. We must either stand firm in the freedom for which Christ has set us free or submit again to a yoke of slavery. The Judaizers were pressing the Galatian Christians to seek circumcision. They believed that Christians needed to be circumcised following the Old Testament law and Jewish tradition. But Paul makes it clear that if the Christians accept circumcision, if they submit to that yoke, then Christ will be of no advantage. It's one or the other. It's Jesus or you're left with your works. You either trust in the forgiveness of Christ or you're looking for your own justification under the law. Even more, as verse 3 notes, if someone accepts circumcision, if they're looking for justification by the law, they're obligated to keep the whole law. I don't think we understand how perfect and demanding the law is. Putting yourself under the duty to fulfill all in the law is impossible. James 2.10 makes this very clear by saying that even if we miss the smallest thing, we will fail. Listen to what it says. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes it clear just how perfect the law is. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he elaborates, everyone who is angry with his brother 
will be liable to judgment. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. And everyone who looks with lustful intent has already committed adultery. Thinking you have the ability to keep every point of the law means that you'll never be sinfully angry, never call someone a fool, never have a lustful thought. You'll always say things that edify, and you'll constantly love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's all it means. How likely is that? If you're like me, I think I probably blew all that this week, sadly. If you think there's a chance of doing that, it just means you don't understand the law and you certainly don't understand yourself. Looking to be justified by the law is crazy. But it isn't just diluted. Its heart and its consequences are deadly serious. Look at what Paul says in verse 4. This is some of the strongest language in the Bible. Those who would be justified by the law are severed from Christ. And they've fallen away from grace. Only Jesus kept all of the law. Either you trust Christ's keeping of the law or you are obligating yourself to do so. There's no mixing of the two. If you think you'll get a kickstart from Jesus and then you'll handle the rest, you have just become responsible for all. In short, you can either trust fully in Christ or you're trusting fully in yourself. It's all Christ or nothing. The contrast is freedom or slavery. Freedom in Christ or slavery to yourself and the law. The call in verse 1 is to stand firm, to fight, to stay in the freedom won by Christ. Christ and Christ alone can free us from the tyranny of Satan, sin, and ourselves. As verse 1 makes clear, any attempt to trust in ourselves means that we submit again to a yoke of slavery. Did you notice that word again? To submit again? to yoke of slavery. That's kind of very interesting because here, these were not Jewish Christians, many of them. Many of them were Gentile Christians, and he's saying, you're going to submit again. So here, Paul equates the evil of the Galatians' former bondage to past pagan beliefs and sins with the bondage they would submit to under the law. They're the same. Whether the brand of bondage is Jewish or Gentile, legalism or license, it's all slavery. Like the brothers in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, whether you're kept out of the feast due to your sin or your self-righteousness makes no difference. Whether you're the wayward little brother or the legalistic older brother, you'll miss out on everything 
unless you run into the arms of the Father who invites you into His feast and provides everything. Freedom is trusting fully in Christ and Christ alone. In addition, freedom is faith working through love. Our second point, faith working through love. Look at verses 5 to 9. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. You were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Paul points out uh, several results of faith working through love here. This is what freedom looks like. Start with verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So in Christ, by faith, we're given His Spirit and His righteousness. Regarding verse 5, Philip Ryken notes that righteousness is not something we work for. It's something we wait for. We've been declared righteous today and we will experience it fully in heaven. We live in hope to be like Jesus fully because of what He has done. And as God's perfecting us now, we're not alone. We've been given His very Spirit. As Paul told Titus, He saved us not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And as Paul said to the Corinthians, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What a blessing to be in Christ. We have His very Spirit working in us. We have His righteousness. And look at verse 6. In Christ we live by faith and love. This verse makes clear the futility of living by our works. Paul says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. They're not important when it comes to this. What is key is faith working through love. Faith is a big term, but it's really what we just talked about. Faith is trust, trusting in Christ, trusting Him with your sin, trusting Him with your future, trusting Him to have control. Faith is what brings justification in Christ. Faith also powers the engine of sanctification. Knowing and trusting in the work of Jesus changes our motivation. Rather than fearing God, rather than trying to dutifully perform the law, 
By trusting in Jesus, we live in gratitude and love. 1 John 4, 18 and 19 makes this clear, where it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. Christ's work changes everything. Rather than living under the law and fearing punishment, in Christ, fear is cast out. He loved us. And now all things are overshadowed by His love for us. And now our lives are motivated by love for Him. The love of God for us and our resulting love for Him is key, not our acts. Those trying to prove themselves to God tend toward fear and are motivated by duty. And duty and works will end up destroying you. If you want to get merit by keeping the law yourself, you'll have to keep cutting things off until there's nothing left. And that's actually what Paul is saying in that rather strange final verse about emasculating yourself. Are there these Judaizers who wish that they would emasculate themselves? There's a logic to what he's saying here. And certainly, while the passion of the verse certainly shows his disgust for the teaching of the false teachers and for them in their actions, it actually extends the logic of trying to place yourself under the law. Here's the logic. If circumcision is beneficial, why stop there? If cutting off a little flesh is good, cut off more. And if you go down that road, you'll just keep cutting and cutting till there's nothing left. Similarly, if we try to justify ourselves with a little bit of works, we'll be obligated to do all. That's impossible and a downward spiral that leads to disaster, shipwreck of your faith. Finally, Paul makes it clear that in Christ, through faith and love, that's how we run well. Verses 7 through 9, he said, you are running well, but then trying to achieve merit through work actually hinders us. They were being hindered as seen in verse 7. Jesus' work of sanctification, work sanctification in us by calling us to himself, as noted in verse 8. He's the one who calls us. He's the one who works. And as Paul told the Romans, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Life in Him is characterized by gratitude and joy and growing holiness in Him. Trying to run by duty and works, even a little bit, ruins everything. And that's what he's saying in verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's interesting that 
that phrase is used both about our old sin before Christ, a little bit of that sin begins to leaven the whole lump, but it's also true for the corruption of self-justification. It will take over all and eventually destroy us. Again, Philip Riken. One who seeks circumcision for righteousness or who looks to justify himself through any works is seeking to establish righteousness before God by law-keeping and no longer by faith. It's a complete change in the basis of one's righteousness. Seeking to be justified through acts of righteousness is serious, but even just the desire to be justified by the law is deadly. Only by trusting in Christ and living in the faith and love He provides can we run well. As we hear this, it can be, it's, it's, it's sobering. When he says you've fallen from grace, I think that's probably no more scary phrase. But we should be sobered, but we need not fear. That brings us to the third point. Freedom is Christ fighting for us. Look at verse 10. Paul says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Freedom means Christ is fighting for us. That's what Paul's saying here. As he speaks to the Galatians who are tempted to return to slavery, he says, I have confidence in the Lord that they will take no other view than to trust in Christ, to live in faith and love, to stand firm in the freedom that Christ has won. How can he be so confident? It's because he understands Jesus. As he told the Philippians, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We've been talking about trusting in Jesus fully for justification, and in the same way, we must look to Him and can trust Him to hold us in the truth of the gospel. He's the only one who fully kept the law. He's the only one who could pay our debt by dying on the cross. He's the one who made us alive in Him. He's the one who will keep us by His Spirit until the end. He who began that good work will finish it. And what about those who had put us into slavery? Well, we know the end of Satan. John in his revelation writes, The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Paul was confident that those who would pull the Galatians from Christ would have a similar end when he says, the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty. So what's the end of all this? 
If you trust in Christ, He's got you. He's got this. The power is all His, not ours. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. The glory is all His and not ours. Satan hates that. And we hate it when we follow Satan. But listen, the glory is all His, not ours. We say with the psalmist, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to Your name give glory for the sake of Your steadfast love and Your faithfulness. As we end, some diagnostic questions. What are signs that you may be veering from the freedom Christ has won? Are you reluctant to admit your sins or to confess? Do you argue with yourself or others that you're doing okay? Do you think your problems are just the challenging circumstances around you and not what's going on inside you? If any of those ring true, it means you're trying to justify yourself. You just might be becoming enslaved in the yoke of self-justification when you live under a regular sense of shame and guilt. When you think you can't forgive yourself. You can't, by the way. <laughs> Only Jesus can. You care too much about what others think. You're regularly trying to prove yourself through your actions. Listen, there's nothing to fear in bringing your sins to God, even your self-justification, only freedom to be gained. And when you're living in the freedom Christ has won, these are the signs. You trust fully that Jesus covers your sins. You're not looking to justify yourself because Jesus already did that for you. You're living in joy and peace rather than fear. You're regularly grateful for the forgiveness and love that Jesus shows you. You want to please God because you love Him, not because you have a duty to do so. You're aware that you're declared righteous because of Jesus. You know that the Spirit is at work to make you more like Him. You're confident that He has the power to hold you in His grace. You're resting in Christ's finished work to keep you till the end. That's what freedom looks like. And as we close, if you're aware of any of those signs of slavery in your life, which for all of us, I, there's things in there I can relate to, that can change. You don't have to be ashamed or feel that you're stuck. Run to Jesus. That's why He came. He died for your sins, and He died for your desire to justify yourself. He forgives fully, and He will set you free, both from your sins 
and from yourself and our legalism. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you this morning that you came to die for sinners like us. Lord, you came and lived the perfect life that we cannot. And Lord, you not only died for what we consider gross sins, but you died even for our desire to want to justify ourselves before you. Because we can't. And when we do so, it's only our pride and satanic impulse. Lord, we pray that you would help us trust you fully for all our righteousness. Let us live in the joy of your salvation. Keep us forever grateful for your amazing grace of, that you gave us on the cross. Thank you that your Spirit's at work in us and that you're keeping us to the end. We love you. We pray these things in your powerful name. Amen.